Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Empire. Hello and welcome to my podcast, Another Sunday, Another Loss. The voice of the Washington football team, Bram Weinstein, and I will discuss all that happened. There were reasons for some optimism in the first half, especially with the defense, and reality crashed on hard in the second, especially with that offense. Before I get going, I do want to kind of touch one more time on the Sean Taylor stuff really quick. Now, Bram and I are going to discuss this later. But we're going to talk about him, the player, and what this day meant for family and for us who were there covering the covering him um, at the time he was here. For starters, it was a nice day for his family, so that's number one, and that's the most important thing. Whatever the, you know, fans are saying, we know the importance for you, but for them, this is what mattered too. I know some people get upset unless you bash the organization for everything and kind of view everything in nefarious terms. My job is to report what I know, and then you can decide. What I know is that multiple players were aware of a ceremony involving Taylor, as was his family. Now, he'd already been honored in the Ring of Honor. The only ceremony that was really left was something like this, but they didn't spell it out. So now that leaves it up for conjecture. That's what I know. I've heard from multiple people in the organization about how they know they screwed up. Trust me, they really know how they screwed, how much they screwed up. It wasn't just something they're saying publicly, behind the scenes. They absolutely 1,000% know and I think they underestimated what Taylor's value or what Taylor meant to the fans and still means to you fans. I know what I was told about when they said on this was around two months ago. That's when they said on the ceremony. I said he said they wanted to keep it quiet until this week. So that's what they're saying. You can believe whatever you want. My job is not to jump to conclusions and think the worst about every situation without evidence to support it. Now, we all we can make those jumps at sometimes. As a reporter, I can't just assume the worst. I have to go with what I know, not what I want to believe or what the narrative is. So that's what I do. That's what I did. It's my job as a professional to handle it that way. And then you guys can make up your own minds. And I'll just leave it there. Now, here's my conversation with the voice of the Washington football team, Bram Weinstein. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, Bram. So, you know, some of this stuff's getting old, but I'm curious from your perspective at halftime, what were you thinking about how this game was going and what they were showing? Well, you know, not that I like to believe too much in the mystical, but considering the things that had happened, there was like definitely this feeling of, is Sean Taylor here right now? Like, what is, what's going on? You know, like, because that one interception that Mahomes threw where he was like, Blast, botched a snap, was getting sacked, and just tossed it up in the air. 
every other quarterback in the league would get benched for doing something like that. I was like, that was nuts. And then, you know, then they had that crazy 19 yard punt. Like there were just things happening that were really going in Washington's favor. And you look up at the scoreboard and it's 13 to 10. Right. Um, And, you know, I knew they, you know, I think everybody probably knew they'd be in trouble because I mean, how long is this going to last? 13 is not going to cut it. And they had their chances and they didn't take advantage of them. And those guys are like a slot machine. Eventually they're going to hit a jackpot on you. And they did. Um, You know, it's crazy to say this because the yardage total was very high, but I actually think that was one of their better defensive performances of the year um, in that there were not the same collective major gaffes that occurred over and over. Um, And that's what I was really concerned about coming in that like, they're just going to lose Hill or Kelsey somewhere along the way, or one of those other receivers there's these bombs and, you know, and then all of a sudden it gets out of hand, which it never did. So, you know, to their credit, they hung in there with, in my opinion, the best quarterback in the league. And, you know, it's funny because like Mahomes threw for what, 390 yards, I think it was somewhere around there, yeah. they had almost 500 yards of offense. But in that second half, while there were issues that de- like the quarters needed to tackle better, Jackson had a big whiff on one time on Tariq Hill, Kendall Fuller missed a couple of tackles. You have Montez Sweat with a bad, you know, offsides penalty. We just lined up offsides on a third and ten yeah. that was incomplete. Those you cannot have. But then there are other times where Mahomes just like, I don't know another quarterback who can make that play, maybe other than the guy they're facing next week and Aaron Rodgers. But even some of those, that pass that he had across the field to Tyreek Hill, well, who's going to throw that? You know, the little flip to to Travis Kelsey. I mean, those are things that, that is something that he did. So I thought there were things that they could build on. Well, build on. I thought they played better. But, Bram, you know what I go back to is that the drive in the second half where they missed the field goal, that to me was pretty much the game. And I say that because, like, they needed to get a touchdown at some point on those. And, you know, when Hopkins missed that, even if he makes it, I still think it's a, a bad – it's not the great drive because they needed to get a touchdown. And that's where I felt like – that was to me was maybe the, their last chance to really to, to make some noise. Uh, they blew the third and two. That was that they just blew that. They blew the third and two, and then they missed field goal. And you know it's you know this is what I was worried about today coming in. Like if Kansas City scored on some deep pass early, I was very nervous that the bow would break early because I because Ron Rivera mentioned this, and I was concerned about this when you play a team like like this that I don't, you know, are they a particularly confident team? And I don't know whether they are or they're not. And, you know, the second that happened, the point you're referencing, that's when it was over. Right. And it, at that point, though, it was 17-13. Like, remember that? Well, at that like, point, they were, yes. at that point, at that point, that missed field goal would have put them up 16-10. to 10. So and the reason I right, say, right. because they, they yeah. needed to get a touchdown in that series. They needed a touchdown out of one of those. I agree. I agree. And like, so like, think about that for a moment, like that miss took the air out of the building, took the air out of them. Everything changed. And granted, like, I won't take anything away from the chiefs. Like there's a reason why that guy's like the best young quarterback, maybe he's, ever, you know, he's like fun to watch. He's phenomenal. I mean, he's phenomenal. And that's the problem, you know, like in playing someone like that, this is the difference between their team and the, the chiefs. Like think about all the people that are missing or all the problems that they have. Like their linebackers have been really bad this year. Their secondary has been really right. terrible this year. They made a change in positions there. They were missing people. They're missing their best pass rusher. They're missing their best running back. Like they were missing a couple linemen. Like, 
<laughs> and they won going away despite turning it over three times, having a shanked punt, turning it like three times in the red zone. Like, and they won going away anyway because that's what good teams do. And this team's just not there yet. Like, they're not, they're, they're far from that. They're not there. And confidence matters. Like, Mahomes made some crazy decisions. And what is he doing in the second half? He looks like he's in complete literal control and can do literally anything he wants. And the one other point about the defense, like I'm worried, you know, the time of possession part is really frightening about what happened in the second half. They just completely yeah. controlled the game, you know, from there. That, that to your point about Sweat and Young, like one of the massive keys, I, you know, Washington did or tried to do a similar thing that Buffalo did and others have done, which is basically we're not going to bring a lot of people. We're going to play back you're going to have to move methodically up the field on us. And in the first half, what they did do really well was they kept Mahomes in the pocket. And yeah, really well. He complete, yeah, he completes a bunch of passes. He completes a bunch of passes. But at least they're going dinky dunk down the field. The clock is running. They're not, gonna, they're not a pinball machine. They're not, you know, tilting a game. And in the second half, the edge control got out of control. Like, they had a couple of bad offsides, but there were also rushes where – yeah, we've seen a lot of this chase yeah. and, and sweat, like get outside and go upfield. The second he's ducking under it, the second he's rolling out to the right, you are finished with him. You're finished. Yep. He's either running or he's throwing and he can do things with his arm. that I've never seen anyone else ever do. And once that stuff started happening and it just started kind of rolling downhill, they were done. So whatever discipline they had to keep him in the pocket of the first half, it disappeared in the second half. And then Mahomes became Mahomes and you're finished, finished. Well, and you know what else also happens there too? Cause there was, this happened a couple of times where the edge guys, I can't remember if it was Chase or Montez gets a little bit wide and then Ioannidis rushes inside. He rushes in. So you basically had a guy getting wider, another guy going too far inside and Mahomes slides out. It may have even been on the, the Tariq Hill one. I don't remember, but it was certainly led to a big play. And it was set up because of the, uh, the rush discipline. And the converse side was Kansas City did a great job keeping Taylor Heineke in the pocket. And he's clearly yes. not as dangerous as Mahomes is, but they made him a, he made, made him beat him from the pocket. The other thing, because I did like what they, I liked the defensive strategy because they did, they played more cover two or two deep safeties than they have all year probably combined um, in the first four games. And they had to, and they had Curl back there. And they had Bobby McCain back there. But you need, like, the corners, Jackson gives up a big play, although it was a perfect throw. Um, you know, the other problem, that the one problem I had defensively, Kendall Fuller had the pick, but, man, he dropped one in that first series. And you've got, like, they had to take advantage of every gift, and that was the problem that I had at halftime is they didn't do that. And that's where you knew they were in trouble. But that's why I go back to that one drive. And so I would, and that's what I was going to ask you, Graham, on that one drive before the Hopkins miss, I think it's like fourth and six. Not ideal, but knowing that the Chiefs offense is a ticking time bomb, knowing that they've already turned over a few times and, you know, you're showing up by three, would you have gone for it in that situation? We were talking about that. Like, you know, I think because it, it did it did have this feel of, you know, like, let's just go for broke here. Like, you know, yeah. first of all, no one thinks you're going to win. Your record's two and three. You we know what the schedule is ahead of you. You know that, like, if you think you're going to stifle them, you haven't watched football in the last five years. So and we talked about it a little bit. Um, and I don't know. I think, you know, I, I, I do think, you know, like, 
hindsight is what it is. The missed field goal is bad. I mean, it really is. And you know, the other choices are the other choices. I, I, I know I'm not going to parse out whether, cause I think it's too easy to go because what they did, you know, the other way didn't work for, to their benefit that it's easy to say you should have done it another way. So I don't like, Sure. I, don't know. I think there's a case for it. So yeah, at the time, I definitively a case for it. Like the whole, you know, the whole. We're sitting up there too, going like, "Go for broke here." Like, just come on, you know. Like, eventually, this guy is going to look like this guy. Go for broke on him and see if you can get the score where you need to get it to. Um, and I, I'm with you, actually. Like, it's it's crazy to say it, but I actually think like collectively, this was one of their better defensive games of the year. Even though the yards and the time possession won't look that way, but think about the first half. They they had the ball longer than the chiefs did in the first half. They held yeah. them to 10 points in the first half. They caused turnovers in the first half. They kept they them in the pocket. They did what they wanted they, to. Yeah. They got completely out of the discipline that they had there. And it was funny, like when I watched Buffalo, especially, and this is why they're a Super Bowl team. Like they, one, they were very disciplined the entire game with him, but two, like in the second half when young and sweat or whoever else the ends were, were getting upfield and he's just dip, dipping through it. Buffalo never did that. Like, they would basically create a pocket and the ends would stop and like put their foot in the ground and basically stand there and say, you're not running out here and throw it from the pocket. Like that's what you're going to do. And this team did not do that. Once Mahomes was on the move, it was over. And you know, the other side, like it was like, well, you saw Buffalo do this. Well, you couldn't completely replicate it because we don't have Tremaine Edmonds on this team and our secondary hasn't played like Buffalo's has. So the back seven needed to hold up its end of the bargain. And I thought that they were again in the first half better but this is the difference between the good teams, you know, and the teams that are trying to become good. They could not hold on to this for 60 minutes. In the end, you know, losing to the Chiefs, there's no shame in it. Like everybody has. <laughs> like, right. welcome to the last six years of the NFL with them. But the way they went down in the end, like, you'd think they were blown out, even though if you watched again for the second straight week, statistically, they were kind of hanging around with them in the same way that they were kind of statistically dominating the Saints the week before. But it's just not all collectively there yet. And that's that was the scariest part of the schedule. And the scariest part of this portion of the schedule was they're going to have to be collectively different than they've been up to this point to have a real shot to beat any of these other teams because they don't have Aaron Rodgers or Pat Mahomes or Tom Brady as their quarterback. And that's and that's why it's so daunting. It, it is. And, you know, the funny thing is you go back to the confidence thing. If you're the Chiefs defense, you have confidence no matter what's going on because you got Mahomes on the other side. And that got, that gives them confidence like, hey, just keep keep it in the game. You know, just make a play somewhere because this guy's going to get us out of trouble. And this team doesn't have that. Like, you can't rely on Taylor Heineke digging you out of trouble like that. And that's, you know, that 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 is – it's not on Heineke. He is what he is. But that's what this offense has. They can't dig out of trouble like that. And that's where Buffalo could too because you got Josh Allen. That's and right. Don't have that. And, and there were big plays that Mahomes missed last week that he hit today. That deep one down the sidelines to um, was a Hardman against against um, Jackson was a play that he was missing last week. And, the, you know, and yeah. then you have the tight end making a nice catch over landing Collins. And, you know, those plays weren't being made last week. The Tyreek Hill yeah. was or the, the botched the, the pick that bounced off his hands was what was happening. But everything else was not going their way. So that that was another thing. But offensively, where is this team at? And I know they're missing guys. And Curtis Samuel, that absence, I think, is adding up because they need that guy. And that situation is very, very frustrating for them. But where do you feel like this offense is at right now? Um, so I, I am 
today was disappointing for them because like, you know, like of all the things you named about the chiefs, like I know everybody's been disappointed with the defense. I am too. Today is one of those days though, where I go, like if you're going to get nitpicky about them against a, a group of players like Mahomes, Hill and Kelsey, who are all going to be in the hall of fame, you need to like recognize who they played today, right? Like those guys are going to make plays. And if you're going to get upset that like they gave up this or that, well, that's why those guys are who they are. That's why they're in the Super Bowl every year. Like there's a right. reason for that. Our offense, you know, today 13 is unacceptable against that defense, especially right. with three turnovers. Like, they have the worst scoring defense in the league. Their linebackers and secondary are really bad. They are missing their best pass rusher. They give up chunk yard after chunk yard after chunk yard. And I would just say this, like, I would describe it at this point as uh, discombobulated. Would probably be the way I would put it. Like, they have a lot of parts. I think we knew this kind of going in, that Scott Turner was given a lot of parts. It's his job now to figure out how to use them. And... I don't know that there's been a semblance of them using them in a way that seems to have any kind of consistency attached to it. They don't have an identity, Graham. No, they they don't. don't. And I'm with you on Curtis Samuel, but Curtis, it's not like Curtis Samuel was there and then he's, now he's gone. He hasn't been there from the get-go. So, but he's he's the kind of guy like they need. My point on him is my point on him is more so they just need more talent out there. And De'Ami Brown has been to me disappointing. Uh, you know, he's from the get go from the summer looked like a rookie to me. And like it, it, in the situations where he gets in 50, 50 positions, he has yet to come up with a play and that separates NFL receivers from one receivers who are just average. Correct. Like, like the, se- the separation for Terry McLaurin is yeah. Yeah. He's very fast, but he is hyper competitive and incredible typically in like 50, 50 situations. That's what makes a difference for him. Brown become that he's just not that yet. Right. He's just not that yet. And so hopefully he will for them, but each opportunity he's had, and this started back in training camp, he looks like a rookie to me in those specific situations. It doesn't mean he can't get better at them, but they've given him opportunities and and they haven't come around. I think some people get lost in the shuffle at times earlier in the season. It looked like McKissick got lost in the shuffle. Um, And today, what I would say is, and this just seemed to be logically where everybody was coming in. um, Kansas city's defense is really bad. Like, and they have Pat Mahomes. I don't know how you don't become a run heavy offense today. Like I really don't That's, understand that was how, my, how that you was don't. That was my thing too, going in. So I'm, you know, and then, you know, that was just Gibson point. was going in and out with the shin injury and maybe they felt like they couldn't, but like they came out throwing um, and it surprised me. Like it just, I think it surprised everybody. Like, don't you want to play clock? Don't you want to shorten the game? Don't you think you can run on these guys? Because I would think you think you can run on these guys. And it felt unbalanced the other way. And so that's why I would describe it as kind of discombobulated. I'm not sure they know exactly what they're good at or when they do come into a game, are they outthinking themselves a little bit when they come I, into I, them? Because yeah. 13 points against that team, like to me, like we could talk about the defense all we want. And the second half was, you know, disappointing in, in time of possession and a couple of the big plays that were given up. But really, I hang this one way more on the offense than I do on oh, defense. The fact that they were only up 13-10 at halftime after all those turnovers playing was, the worst defense the in offense. the league. Yes, it's on the offense. Like they needed to execute better. Like they did, and they did not. And I'm not, you know, I'm not blaming it all on Scott Turner, but I would say from the get-go, I don't know that like you know the Chiefs have a lot of parts. They figure out how to use them. Like, I don't know that Washington's quite figured out exactly what they're doing yet as just, I think just as a general 
this is how we operate. I don't get a sense that I know week to week what it's going to be. And this week was a touch surprising because they played a weak defense and it looked like they should run the ball and they didn't. And so that seemed a little confusing to me. And I thought like part of me wondered, well, they came out with some play action early and it's always like, well, you think we're going to run. So let's, we're just going to throw it, but their strength still should be running the ball. And this is think, like what the Saints did a week yeah. ago. Like the Saints came out and looked at Washington, but at least it made sense because Washington's pass defense wasn't stopping anybody. But the Saints were not throwing the ball. They were the, one of the worst pass offenses, and they came out throwing. Five of their first six plays were passes. It bit them in the behind because they threw an interception because they're not good at it. Right. But this was like one of the things where I looked at Washington and I'm like, don't you want to run the ball here? Like, don't you want to shorten the game here? Don't you want to like – get the time to tick down a little bit because you know what i saw with kansas city they've made Mahomes has eight interceptions they've made a lot of mistakes this year so they've opened the door for people and that's why they were two and three coming in and what i found in watching them was you really 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 need to resist the urge of the get a turnover go for the jugular type stuff because if you give the ball back to them in too short a period of time they're resilient they'll come back and and they're going to hit you and if you give them too many chances, eventually it's jackpot with them. And once it starts going the wrong way, <laughs> forget it, you know, like it's over. So I don't know that I felt like they came in managing this particularly well. And I don't, either way, I'm not sure I would have thought they would have won, but based on how the first half went, the fact that they ended up losing by 18 and not scoring in the second half, uh, it, it feels like a miss to me. To me, it's a, it's a big miss. And that's where, you know, like you want to be aggressive. Like we were talking about earlier on those fourth down calls, but I think there's, I think you have to play to what your strength should be. And that should have been the run game a little bit more. And now last thing is like, where are we at with Taylor Heineke? You know, are you, I don't know what there's really much you can do. Like, I don't think Kyle Allen's going to come in and give them any kind of a spark. So you just, do you have to ride this out until Fitzpatrick is healthy? And I'm not even blaming everything on him. I'm not blaming everything on him because but I just think that what we're seeing, what we've seen from him is, is he, he is a more of a, you know, very low end starter or a high quality backup. And there's nothing, nothing, nothing wrong with that because it's much better than what people considered him a year ago at this time. But yeah. You know, this and and I again I don't know that anything's gonna change if Kyle I don't think anything's gonna change if Kyle Allen comes in. I think it's just a different guy. Yeah, I I don't get any sense that that's happening. No, but, I don't either. You know, I don't either. I don't so, either. and you know, again, like do you feel better about their chances with Kyle Allen versus Aaron Rodgers next week? Because no. I don't, you know, like no. not necessarily, no, no offense to Kyle Allen, just not necessarily, or no, it, you it know, doesn't and like, I really again like. This week, actually, I did not see Heineke make the mistakes that he made a week ago. Like, New Orleans has a good defense and goaded him into some mistakes. This week, I didn't actually see that. Um, he clearly was not a difference maker for them at all, you know? And, you know, so I do think, like, do they, they didn't, they leaned on him more than I thought they would, but he didn't make the type of plays specifically with his legs that extend things. So that didn't kind they of happen They kept him in the today. pocket. They kept they him in the pocket. A really good job there. They did. And so, you know, I think there's an experience factor that is starting to rear up and become obvious. And Rivera has been talking about this for the last couple of weeks, but like Buffalo and New Orleans, they have real defenses and those real defenses were able to fool him into making mistakes. The games got a little too fast for him him to hold the ball down. 
Yes, got him to hold it, threw it into coverages that he probably didn't recognize would be there. Mistakes started happening. This was a bad defense today who did the best they could to just keep him in the pocket. They did a good job there, but he was incapable from that spot of leading them into big plays. And considering who they were playing today, you know, it, it's very telling, you know, that that happened. So more and more tape, like they always say this, the more tape you get on somebody, the more things change and they had an opportunity to see him. I don't think that, I don't think anything he did today warrants a change at all. I just no, think they I don't are think where they I are. Think, I think yeah, they are where think, they are at the position. That's what yeah, I, I, I think. I think that's more, that's more the troubling thing. Let's let's last topic then Sean Taylor, the retirement ceremony. I know a lot of whatever mess about that this week. But what did it mean for you to see that his jersey retired? It's a very hard topic to talk about, but because you and I were both there, that's um, that was a terrible, yeah. terrible was, thing was, that happened. It was terrible. Yeah. Um, and I and and the, I, the, the really, memory of that hasn't escaped me. Like I still yeah. remember how what it was like when I found out, and just how surreal <laughs> it all was. And there are still a lot of times where it's like you get even now get a little bit of emotional because you were there. A hard thing to talk. It really it's very hard to talk about and. Um, on the pregame show when we were talking about it, I'm sitting next to Santana Moss, who was very close to him. Yeah. And I just, I think I just said out loud, I'm like, you know, I had the misfortune of having to shove a microphone in your face and make you talk about it. Like it was, it was horrible. It was just a horrible experience. And yeah. um, I'll tell you, you know, the thing that I really appreciated most about today was because I do think back to that time and I'm glad that most of this is forgotten that after he died, there were things that were said and written about him that were about his character and, and that were very unfair, like, yeah. very unfair. They were written by people who were not around the team who didn't really get to know him, who didn't realize that he had changed a lot in the few years that he had been there. He'd matured. He was a different person. And, you know, so I was appreciative that 14 years later, not only does he matter this much, but like that it's largely a very positive thing that people look at with him. And I think that that's, you know, that's where his legacy really lies, that he did mature. He was a very good presence. I personally have never seen a better football player wear this uniform in my time covering them, for sure. Um, and there's a lot of, it's like almost James Dean-ish. You're kind of like, I really don't know what would have happened had he had his full life and career and what he would have meant and what he would have been. And it's, it, it's long overdue. You know, how I feel about the retirement of jerseys is a whole other conversation because I have a, you know, personal affection for an organization that didn't do that. And right. I found it interesting that they just started doing that, but like, you know, but, but if they are going to, there's others they need to do. His belongs. Yeah. His oh, belongs and there's others. His belongs. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. But I mean, like, yeah, there's, there's a long list now if we're going to start doing this and, and yeah. maybe you're going to start seeing it next year. And I think, I think that'd be smart. If they're going to retire Bobby's and then Sean's you've got Daryl, Rigo, Art Monk, Monk, you know, Maybe Graham, Clark, Charlie, yeah, Sonny, yes. you know, guys like right. that. And like for me, Huff, for, yeah. for me, Ken for Houston, me, Larry Brown, there's a lot, there's a lot of, a lot of names and, if you're going to do this, you know, and you know, Bram, like for me with Sean, like, cause I love the X's and O's part and just watching like great players operate and all that. And I did, you know, as a reporter, we didn't know him as well as those guys did, but I, when I'll talk to guys, Steve Jackson who coached them or guys that play with them, even now, you, we, we end up inevitably end up talking about him because it was so much of a man. Just imagine where that kid was going, because that last yeah. year he was playing awesome, awesome ball. He was great. There were great at times before that, but there were flashes both ways to a degree. I mean, much, much more better. But he didn't become the great, great player where you said, 
now he's on that trajectory where he's going to the Hall of Fame. In that last year, he was just, he was awesome. Because even the players and coaches, his coaches would say that, and that he was marrying the, the um, study side with the play side. And he was killing quarterbacks because of it. And that's what, the, that's what the, from that shame. But then now as a parent, when I'm watching his dad and his family accept that, I think of it not as much from a, not from a football perspective, but from a parent's perspective and the yeah. pain that must still be there for them all these years later when they're like, as great as it is, how hollow it still must feel. I'm like, that's where I start to get choked up too. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's a tough subject. It really it is. is. Like it really he, is. It's one of those, um, you know, this, this organization has gone through a lot in the last, you know, 20, 30 years. And I just don't know, would their fortunes on the field have been different if he played his whole career because of how good he already was and what, how good he was probably going to be. I don't the know. The impact he had on like, others. It, the impact he had on others. Like, like think about like, all oh, there's a lot of young players in the league that still talk about him and like mm-hmm. want to wear 21. And we're talking about people that were eight or nine years old when he died, yeah. you know, like, so think about that as an impact for a moment that like, he's carried that kind of legacy for such a short period of time. There was something about him. He was easily one of the most intimidating presences I've ever seen. You know, like he's, he's one of the rare people that would be out on the field and the other, you could tell the other team was scared of him a little bit. Players were literally scared of him. And, um, you know, I'll reiterate, there's only been a few special athletic talents that come through probably for any team, but for our team and for me in covering them, it's LeVar Arrington, Sean Taylor, and now Chase Young. And, I haven't seen anything like him in a defensive backfield yeah. before. And it just, you know, I think, you know, it's, it's, it's more sad than happy. It's very, than it's anything very, it is, it is sad because it's, it's a, it, and I know for fans listening, it's the same way, which is why you saw a lot of 21 jerseys, which is why the fans got so emotional with how this all was handled. And, yeah. you know, but it's, but let's keep it on the field or just keep it to him right now. But, it is like, you know, when I was watching Champ Bailey early on, I'm like, I remember getting to the point, like, I'm watching a Hall of Fame player. And yes. on that last year, you feel like, okay, I'm now watching a Hall of Fame player. And from a personal standpoint, we really didn't get to know him that well. And I remember even having a conversation with Chris Heline, who was then a PR director, about how, like, you know, Sean's starting to come around. We're starting, we're starting to gain his trust. And he was a guy, not just with the media, but with coaches and players, it took a while to gain his trust. And I don't blame him. There are times where something would like you start to get it and then something would happen somewhere else with another outlet or whatever. And it would just push him back two notches, but you could start to see the growth in him. But like, I don't take that stuff personal because, you know, like he didn't know me. It's, I understand it's a media thing and I get that, but you could see the growth and you heard the growth. Like I remember John Jansen, you know, a couple of years earlier, like I talked to him and he's like, you know, I don't really know him. Like, you know, he doesn't really, he's kind of, by himself a little bit that last year I, I remember after he died I went to Jansen he's talking he talked he was talking about his growth and like if Jansen saw this and he was talking about how closer he had gotten to him over the year over the last couple of years because of that growth so that's like I said I go back to it as a parent and the hole that must they must have in their hearts still and that will always be there and that's the part that that I have a harder time with and again it was just the whole thing was surreal for everybody and just seeing his locker in the locker room after that happened. It's like, you just kind of, you'd look at it and like, you don't want to stare at it, but you, you looked at it because it was just so sad. And, you know, and it just, you know, watching people cry that you really like because of the pain that they have. And, you know, like we're, we're not part of the team. My God, you're out there. 
you're human, you know, you feel, yeah. and that's, so like, you like somebody who is here, those things are still always going to be there. Yeah. I mean, it's the one and only time I ever cried on the air. And it was just because I was in a building that was overwhelmed with grief. It was, and it was I got terrible. overwhelmed with it. Yeah. I got overwhelmed with grief by it because it just, it was horrible. It was horrible. It was. And, yeah. and uh, you know, like you, I didn't have a very you know, close relationship with him because he didn't want to have a relationship with him. Oh, that's the okay. That's and, your choice. And if you, well, but if you go back to what was being written and said about it, yeah, you don't understand I, why. Yeah, I don't. Too. I didn't blame him for that. I, yeah, I didn't. Yeah. Blame him for that. So you know, but I'm, I'm, I'm glad it happened. I know, like, I, I don't even want to address what happened earlier in the week because yeah, I, you I, know, I really him. felt like that the focus should just be on honoring him because it was happening and the family was there, and you can be as mad as you want about how it, how it went down. You can believe whatever you want about it. I. I'm not in the building. I don't know what happened. I don't know why things happened the way they did. They just did. Once I got around to today, I just felt like he deserved to be honored yep. and we should not worry about how we got here. Like who cares? Like he's being honored, you know, try to, however you want to, you know, internalize it, you know, try to do that. Yeah. And I know what I've heard about it and people can make up their own minds and I I'm with you on that one. So there we go. Bram, let's end right there. And we'll talk again next week after the green Bay game. All right, see you. That's it for this episode. Thanks to Brand for joining me, and thank you, as always, for tuning in. It never gets easy for you guys, so I always appreciate that you do come back. And I'll be back either Tuesday night or Wednesday morning with another episode. We'll talk to you next time.